and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. It might be episode 30. I don't know, but if it isn't, then I now look stupid. But that's fine, because I am. And today I'm joined by <laughs> some other people who might be stupid. I'm not sure. Joe Scrabbles, are you stupid? I'm just unintelligible okay. most of the time. And Quentin Smith. Uh, is that like a roll call, or are you asking me the same I know, question? it's both. I'm asking you if you're stupid. I am present, and I am of medium intelligence. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you for everyone who put up with last week's episode. It was a bit of an off-kilt one, but lots of people enjoyed it. For those of you who missed it, it was about zombies run, rock climbing, and other ways that you can kind of gamify exercise and they can blend together. And everybody really reacted well to it. It turns out that you lot, everybody who listens to this podcast, is... No, Fat. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I was right. going to say fit and sexy. <laughs> no, we peaked. I think that's it for episode. Everybody is <laughs> fat. Um, but yeah, that was a good reaction to that. Thank you very much. Anyway, back to the normal grindstone of, of video games. Oh, great. Back <laughs> down the mines. Let's uh, get the pickaxe. I'm going to start by lodging my uh, pickaxe into the skull of, of Quentin Smith because uh, I've got a bit of a. I've got a bit of a bone to pick with you, sir. Wait, the, uh, is the bone in question the head that you're pickaxing? Your metaphors have gone like... Is the pickaxe made of bone? Oh, God, I've man. been playing a lot of Monster Hunter, so that's possible. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> man, we've crossed too many streams at once here. We'll come back to that in a minute, Yeah. Um, because I want to get onto the Monster Hunter, because there's a demo, right? On the 3DS. Yeah. Oh, we've, we've, no, we've, we've harpooned it. <laughs> right, you we've do... banjacked yeah. the entire podcast. So there's a demo out. I've, I've not been playing it. I've been playing the actual game. Have you? I think I'm allowed to talk about it. I don't know anymore. I'm freelance. Everyone else gets the embargoes for me. But so um, well, it's I've, basically I've very similar, isn't it? So I've certainly sure seen fine. previews of the game, so I think I'm totally cool. That's fine. We'll just um, talk about the Monster preview. Hunter Four. Four Ultimate. On the for the love of 3DS. God, nobody. Wait, hang on. Bear with me. I thought Four wasn't out yet. No. So, Monster Hunter 4 came out in Japan, like, two years ago, and then four... This is the one where you kind of... Uh, it has the staff, which throws beetles. Yes, good. there's the insect glaive. Okay. That's what that's called. Right. Insect um, I think my name was actually, miraculously, less dumb. <laughs> <laughs> the staff that throws beetles. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing about the insect glaive is that the staff is one portion, and the beetle glaive is another. That's called the kinsect. I don't know why. Starves that throw beetles out <laughs> as big as your hand. That's delightful. Um, but so, Monster Hunter 4, I think, came out about two years ago on the 3DS. And then Monster Hunter 4G came out sometime last year. Did all the West this, get any of this? No, so this right. is all in Japan. And then the first in, or English, the first Western release is Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, Ultimate. which is also on the 3DS. And I, I guess, Soon I think it be. comes out on. The same day as the new 3DS. Um, oh, so they want it to be a new 3DS game, although it can be yeah, played on I mean, the old system. Yeah, because I've kind of realised that they've they've ditched kind of the Wii U, which is kind of fair. Because I thought it was coming out on both again. Yeah, and I think they've kind of gone. Oh, lots of people have got 3DSs, and I mean, I'm kind of down with that because I mean, I've played a lot of the Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on the. Yeah. On the 3DS, and it's it's a good time. Have you played it with the Circle Pad Pro, like the the extra? I have. You know, stick. I ended up getting so used to playing it because I have the, I have a 3S XL. Yeah, I got so used to playing it with the kind of lack of camera controls mm. that even though when I had it, I then I bought the thing. I didn't really use it very often. See, that's what I'm I'm playing it on the th- like I played three Ultimate on Wii U, mm. and I'm playing this on the 3DS, and it's not really that huge a problem. Like there are occasionally times when you're like. Oh, I can't point at the monster I want to. That's really irritating. Mm. But beyond that, 
it really doesn't make much of a difference. So, I kind of felt like maybe it's because I graduated from the School of Fantasy Star Online that you end up just, in a way, just coming to terms quite quickly with the fact that the system for the camera and locking on is shit. Yeah. And you just work around it. You kind of go, all right, yeah, I'll just... You sort of think, I'll just clunkily fix it. Whereas, of course, if you've got the traditional twin sticks, you don't have to, but... Yeah. So I, I, it's probably going to... I don't know. It, it might change how people play on new 3DS and stuff. I, I don't mean to be sort of like... Stop, be the fun police and stop all this exciting <laughs> discussion of cameras and systems. I know. Tell me about the monsters, Joe. <laughs> I was like a. I played Monster Hunter Three a ton. No, mm. Quinns, we've got to do the camera chat. Oh, then we God. talk about. Then we talk about field of view. Matt, yep. no. Frame rate is next because the PDS has a stronger processor. Then we do the review for sound. <laughs> I'm going to leave. This, is, this is not a review. No, I'm leaving. I'm nobody, leaving. nobody shout a number at any point during this because they're, they're getting Joe in a lot of trouble. No, in this on, one, there's monsters. a big monkey. Thank you. It's Brilliant. It's got it's a monkey and it's got like claws on the back of its hand that hold on to stuff so it can still punch you, but it's got like it's sort of holding on somewhere else. It's really yeah, difficult. It's punching like, you while it's hanging on a wall. Yeah. The big thing in this monster hunter is climbing, Mounting. right? Mounting. Mounting's the and, big But deal. also climbing walls yeah, and ceilings. So you can climb you can climb walls, but it, it sort of barely matters. Like it's essentially trying to introduce like big sort of mountain ranges as areas, so you sort of have to climb walls to get oh. two different areas, which is quite nice. That is nice. But primarily that's because you can now jump off, like, a little ledge and strike a monster, and then it sort of turns into a QTE scene where if you stab it enough before it throws you off, and there's, like, a little meter for that, <laughs> stab you, meter. It, it falls over. That's oh, it. Okay. So it's not like Dragon's Dogma. It's not you're crawling over them, stabbing them in the eyes or yeah. the legs or whatever. It's just, it's sort of useful QTE. Oh, and you know what? why that's going to be so much fun is if there's four of you fighting a monster and one that's of you exactly jumps onto it. the back, then the rest of you are, you know, fighting it, but also watching it. Come on, Joe. Exactly. Joe, come on, get it yeah. on his knees. <laughs> Do not fall off. <laughs> because it, because all, uh, the amazing thing about Monster Hunter 4 is, is not that it's particularly different to 3. Like, I, well, I yeah, I mean, this is this is the most we are now, Japanese yeah, franchise ever. Yeah, it's the most ever. iterative thing. Yeah. But, uh, so three I kind of got on with, but it was always sort of, I always felt a bit removed from it. There was always this sense that, like, it, it was always a, it didn't stage, a stage of learning that I had to do that I just wasn't keen on doing. I just didn't want to know how to do the next sort of, like stage of okay, it of was work. it was clunky. It didn't lead you through exactly. It, yeah, and and obviously tutorials have always been a problem in Monster Hunter. They still are, but in this one, the way it hooks you is by being the most charming game I've played in years. Like, oh, oh wow, the writing is beautiful and so well translated. It's hilarious. There are running jokes that lots of characters do. So now you want to go and talk to everyone just to hear the jokes sort of pile wow. on each other. There's this running thing where. They talk about your eyebrows, and they never say what it is about your eyebrows, but they're all pointing them out, and you never know what it is. Um, and there's this, and you now gain certain sort of special quests by talking to people enough. So there's oh, this wow. sense that they want you to interact with the world of Monster Hunter, and there's also these cutscenes that are always either funny or exciting, or and and they always put your character in the middle of like some amazing action and. So- and then it carries through. So when you first meet the monkey thing that it I was talking about... sounds very different to uh, Monster Hunter 3. You know what? I mean, it, the Monster Hunter 3 was plenty charming. It you was know? charming. No, 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 but this, this, this element of like... The problem was in Monster Hunter 3 is it became very much a case of you kind of like... At first you talk to the characters, some of them are quite charming, hmm. but it's very much like a case of that 
that little kind of seaside town that you kind of yeah. it's mm. like a basically a menu almost it's like a 3D menu of See, this person you talk to to do this this they, mm-hmm. everyone had a function and not, nothing else really rather than you, a sort of friendly yeah, place. well, the other interesting thing about this is you're now part of a nomadic caravan. Yes, see, now, at the risk of making the conversation still more childish, this yes. was the single most exci- exciting thing for me, even more so than the insect glaive staff yes. thing. Because <laughs> uh, the, the symbolism of... Not symbolism, what's the word? Yeah, I'm quite excited by this. I of, didn't know this. Of, like, a kind of nomadic, silk road-looking caravan. It kind I, of is that. Like, there's there's an amazing cutscene. The first time you... And I've seen previews about this, so don't sue me. <laughs> the first time you change... Uh, you go from the first village to the second village. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this beautiful cutscene where everyone's like packing up all their like buildings. So all their buildings turn out to be on wheels, like caravan, <laughs> like little sort of uh, like gypsy caravans. So like one person's like folding up the guild board and all the papers are flying out, and another person's like pulling a big chain and the wheels just pop out the bottom. So <laughs> all the buildings have as much charm as the monsters somehow. You know how everything about Monster Hunter is. The animations are incredible. All the monsters have this personality and these movesets that can yes. change depending on how... There's no know. part of the game except for possibly the UX, which doesn't have heart. Yeah, like. and, and and this, yeah, it builds... Suddenly your village is, like, this creature that moves around the world. It's, it's lovely. <laughs> that sounds like, great. And it, it just kind of... It does a much better job of leading you through the world of Monster Hunter yeah. than than 3 ever did. Well, because I love 3, and I've played it on my own a lot, but yeah. yeah, you still kind of felt like there was lots of clunky things about it. Like, the fact that sometimes I'd spent hours doing something of my own accord, and then I'd unlock the next mission, and it was like, oh, I've just, like, this is a, now a really easy way of doing something that I've just been trying to do on my own. You, you were never sure... Um, you always had that sense of like when you needed to get items or something to build new armor or build a new weapon. You were never sure if it was like, should I just be grinding this mm. or should I just keep playing and then something will happen that will make it easier. I but mean, then- the answer is almost always the game. You tend to have less of those speedruns if you are playing in parallel. Like on Mondays you're playing by yourself, and then on Wednesdays you meet up with friends to play Monster Hunter. That's the thing. But I also found that I guess it was really cool having it on multiple platforms. But at the same time, I'm quite excited about the fact that if it is just 3DS, a lot of people now have 3DSs, and you know, I mean, the problem was I was playing on 3DS, other people were playing on Wii U, and it's like just ha- almost just having it. I mean, was there cross-platform play? Yeah, was there? Oh yes. yes. yeah. no, me and uh, Keza McDonald uh, now Kotaku UK. Yeah, and obviously on Dark Souls. Um, well, ignore I'm, ignore what I just said. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would go to her house, and to me, the only sad thing, like I would go to her house, and she'd be on 3DS, and then I'd set up on her TV. The only sad thing about it all being focused on 3DS now is it means like if you're in a group of two or three or four people, the people on 3DS get to look at the cutscenes on the big TV. When you kill a monster, mm-hmm. everyone looks up at the TV to see it die on a big screen. Yeah, uh, almost like a little cinema, like a cinema, and it's it's funny, it's interesting. I think, I, and four is a, still a spectacular game. Like it would lend itself to a big screen adaptation, but I think they've just realised that constraining, you know, constraining it to one platform I mean, kind they can of focus gives, on it. exactly gives everyone a focus, and they can play in the same way, as opposed to when people were playing on Wii U and people were playing on 3DS, they had, like, different control schemes, and they, you know, there's a slightly different... I'd say, I'd say how just briefly, to briefly reverse the truck back into slightly boring town, <laughs> does it kind of handle a bit nicer because it's specifically... No, 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 it does nothing wrong with how Monster Hunter handles. No, 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 but just in terms of the menus and stuff, it was like... Oh, the menus, sure. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. they're still quite poor. I mean, there's... They, That's they've, fine. They taken shortcuts so there are things like um and keza pointed this out in her preview you can now have as well as equipment sets you can have item sets so if you're going into a cold area you can load oh, up your okay. item set with like all the hot drinks 
that you need to stay alive. As opposed to the hilarity of going, okay, where are we going? It's cold, so we'll need hot drinks. Exactly. We'll need a steak and we'll need paintballs. Then you get there and you go, oh, fuck, I've forgotten the boomerang. Exactly. That's that's exactly it. So now you can kind of, you can subdivide everything you need and like bring it in the form that you need to. It's still bullshit. That sounds sounds good though. I've forgotten so much about playing three because I haven't played for years. Uh, there are bits where I'm like, oh, where's this particular skills menu? And it's like three like different menu sets away. And you just get totally confused the entire time. But but it's still... It is the sort of thing you could do a GMVQ in or like an A-level. Yeah, it's kind of mad. There is enough stuff in there that you could do a course on it. You could do a driving theory test on it easily. (laughs) But like, there's... What do you do if there is a Curepeco on the road and your hazard lights are not working? (laughs) There's literally... You know when games... Like, Far Cry Blood Dragon did this, where it's like, oh, tutorials are boring, are they? Here we go, here's a tutorial. Yeah. This does it, and yet somehow because it's so kind of happily written you kind of go along with it and you're just like you know what yeah tutorials are shit but i'm gonna do this one because you've made it sound fun which (laughs) is and and it does that job of kind of bridging the gap between a totally obtuse game and someone who doesn't understand it on a base level by just going you're gonna like it when you get there, guys. <laughs> That's like, good, and, and it's just nice enough. Because I remember playing Monster Hunter Two was the first time I tried to get into the series, and I failed spectacularly. Mm-hmm. I spent about six hours playing it on a PSP, and I was just like, "What the piss is?" No, this? it was like, arcane back then. It was insane. I want Joe to tell the story of the best thing he's killed so far. The best thing I've killed, not so necessarily far. like the biggest thing, but the <laughs> best fight. Because you know what I mean when I say, "Yeah, it. absolutely." I mean, the best fight, I guess. Well, actually, and this is a way of talking about another cool new thing they've done today. Uh, I did. They've, they've introduced a thing called expeditions. So instead of being able to just go out into the Moga Woods and gather stuff, mm. you now go to a totally separate area with sort of. Does it kind of a like too much credit to call it procedurally generated? But you go through a series of like four or five sort of remixed, ran, remixed yeah. areas. Um, I think they're called the Deep Woods, and you walk through them, and every time you go in. There's a different selection of monsters that you fought before in guild quests. Mm-hmm. So it oh, that's it, good because I always got annoyed with the fucking Moga Woods of being like, oh, it's just I'm so fed up of killing the same things yeah. again and again and again. And so sometimes there are like optional treasure areas, or sometimes there are like it gets as simple as sometimes there will be a tree with a poogie, which are the little pigs that you have as pets, yep. stuck up a tree, and I'm if familiar. you knock it out of the tree, it, you get a new costume. A bonus poogie. Yeah, you get, and it just it literally says like. Poogie? Yes. So you know, like, you're going into this expedition looking for a pig in a tree, which is amazing. <laughs> um, so it does this thing where you're sort of going out to do exactly the same thing, but you never know quite what you're going to face the next time you do it. It's like, listen up, men. We're going out there. Oh, and while we're there, there might be a pig in a tree. Exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> so and just keep an eye out. And maybe there's a cat with some treasure in an alcove. Also, oh, some, of you, the cats. some of you might not come back alive. And the cats are big now. The cats, wait, as in they're larger? Or uh, no, that's in they're, they're much they're bigger a prominent part of feature. the feature. Yeah. The like, amount of, sorry, no, you go. Oh, no, it's cool. Just the, uh, <laughs> it's such a Monster Hunter moment, but Monster Hunter has small cats that run around. Mm. And uh, sometimes Fucking they, dicks, man. Sometimes they steal from you, and that's cool. And I just remember fighting, like, it was like a pink Rathian or a green Rathian, one of the awful Rathians, which are enormous dragons. And it happened to be fighting me in an area with some cats. I'm mostly ignoring the cats, and I've got one paintball. And it's fine because I'm going to paint the Rathian. It's on its last legs. It's that beautiful moment of the cat. I mean, hits yeah. you as paintball stolen of the fifty items in my inventory. Nick the last paintball. <laughs> At which point it becomes this farce of like 
ignoring the 14-ton dragon just over my shoulder. <laughs> just chasing it. Yeah, dodging all of its attacks, because at this point on instinct, I, I know from the vocal cues when to duck its wing mm. from off-camera yeah. so I can hit this cat, which is running around. And it's, yeah, it, that's Monster Hunter at its best, you know? Yeah. When all the different systems combined to create an, a, a mini-adventure that you and, could not have foreseen. And this is the point of Expedition Mode, is you get mini-adventures that are totally unique to you. So you get this sense of, like, today, my my adventure was, I walked into this area, there was a thing called a Tetsukabra, which I think is new, um, possibly, uh, which <laughs> is a giant sort of scale toad um, with huge fangs that picks up boulders and smashes them in its teeth and tries to hit you with the shrapnel, okay. which is really cool. Um, so I was fighting this for, like, the third time, so I'm sort of getting used to it, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing really well, I haven't died yet, I'm, like, I'm not having to use any potions, I know all its cues, and then, like... Two great jaggies run in. <laughs> yeah. And, and these suddenly, are velociraptors. Yeah, they're basically not velociraptors, giant yeah. velociraptors. Uh, and I'm suddenly doing this thing where I'm going, okay, so I could run to another room and like reconvene, or I'm using the new, so the second new weapon, there's two new weapons, is the charge blade. And the charge blade is a sword and shield that you can then stick the. Sh- you can stick the sword into the shield and turn it into a huge axe. Okay. Um, which is really cool. I'm down with that. <laughs> so it does this cool thing where you use the sword enough and it charges up and then it goes, you can't use the sword anymore. You've used the sword too much. Oh, and you it's have charged. to change. So you have to charge the axe and then change to it, which is an incredibly slow weapon. So I was starting to... I started out using quick sword shield stuff like blocking, moving around, and then suddenly there were three monsters around me and I had to change to the axe and constantly keep it charged and do like big area of effect moves. <laughs> and I managed to come through it alive. And it was just fucking incredible. That like, is, that's Monster yeah. Hunter. You know? There is just this sense of like, here's an entirely new situation. Deal with it or you're dead. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's I, think, I think that's what I like about it is the fact that it's not the sort of game where everybody has a point where they get into it. Like with a lot of games, it's like, I didn't really like it, but then I got to that bit and everyone goes, oh yeah, that bit's great. And then you're kind of hooked. It'll just be something that'll happen. It won't be something that's, it'll be, won't be perceived. It'll just be, it'll be you. You'll yeah. have a little experience in it. And for me, it was something really boring. It was the realization that my weapon was like really blunt and I had to go and get a uh, whetstone. I was like, I didn't have a whetstone. And I was like, oh, I can't kill this thing because my weapon is so blunt that it's just bouncing off the shell mm. of this creature. And I'm like, I can't kill it. And then I remembered that you can catch whetstone fish. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a fishing rod and I remember where oh, they can get them here and it was just that thing of using the lay of the land while being the time like, limit's running out yeah and yeah. I've got like 10 minutes but it's like I know where to go and, and doing it and then pulling it off it's, you just have a memory and then from that point onwards you're kind of like yeah this game's it's kind of something special but I will say I'm really excited about the expedition thing because of the fact that what I found frustrating with Monsanto was when you get to the point where you're stuck on a mission mm. like when you've got the pre-made missions you just have to ones, go through the old stuff over and over you again. just have to repeatedly do missions you've done before and it gets pretty tiresome and there's a lot of grinding at least a bit of variation on that. That will still happen. Yeah, but, but a bit there's more a sense vari- that you, yeah. like, you could just go out and hopefully find the right thing happening at that time, which is, yeah, it's lovely. Like, it's just... It's just this sense I that just they've got, got, got a of, sense of where they're going with it. I think after I killed, like, 25, 30, 40, 50 great jaggies, I was just like, oh, I don't want to go... I just... <laughs> I, I don't know, I found like... You a, were trying to make a full armour set, though, which was a mistake. You've got yeah. a, like a lunatic. You have to wear the trousers made of a fish and the jacket made of a dinosaur and the hat made of a bird. That does not look cool. I know. Anything. That does not look cool. Hey, don't have to tell me my destiny character. No. <laughs> you know what? What was the thing that you were going to pick my? Right. Bone yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna about... pick up this bone pickaxe. Can I? Can I just say for one second? Sure. That was a preview, so it might be shit. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I'm gonna I'm gonna take the the stone uh, no the bone pickaxe mm. and put it in pick a bone with you. Here we go. Right. You are the sort of person, and this is a good thing, but this is this is how you function, right? I'm so excited as you to get, where this is going. You get really excited about games, and you yeah. get really excitable, and that's what you, you, you're just like, oh, this is great! Yeah. And you, you, you're passionate about things, and that's brilliant, that's brilliant. But, unfortunately, it means sometimes you very passionately say, this is fantastic, and then things actually, like, they're not that fantastic, they just appear to be fantastic at first. Yeah. And Are you firing me? <laughs> no. But one such game that this happened with was Endless Legend. Endless Legend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you got... <laughs> yeah, okay. You I got, honestly couldn't remember what game that was. <laughs> you got really excited about it, and I got really no, excited no, about no, it. No, 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 now, now. It, I mean, it's still good. Well, I will stand by that. The thing is, right, you were like, this game's really good, yeah. and so I bought it, right? Yeah. And it's I, pretty do, good. I do have a Steam Press account, is a thing. <laughs> Any, anytime I ever recommend a PC game, bear in mind, I'm treating it as freeware. The problem is, it is good, but it's not that good. And I've spent 60 hours playing it. <laughs> Holy shit. And it's like, it's it's kind of like been one of these things where it's like, I, pro- I probably will make a video about it, just because it's one of these things where it's just <laughs> you like, have to now. I'm really annoyed, because it's like, it's one of those games where I just find myself playing it whilst going... This isn't very good. Okay, um, so and yet it just sucks away my days like a vampire. Right, I've heard loads of people say Endless Legend. Tell me what it is. It, well, I, I, I got put onto it because it was Rock Baby Shotgun's game of the year. Pretty much that. why I checked it out as okay. well. So, um, I mean, I'm what, blaming Quinns for comedy value, but <laughs> really I'm blaming Rock Paper Shotgun. <laughs> what this is, is essentially uh, Civilization. This is my butchered version, but civiliz- the Civilization games mm-hmm. have gotten really flabby over the years, and a Parisian studio said, hey, what if we made a, a really good one? Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah. that's Endless Legend. It's a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. It takes Civ and says, no. <laughs> and then it says, orcs, insects, weird alien races, with a touch of sci-fi, because some of them apparently have come from outer space. Mm. Uh, it has the most staggeringly gorgeous map, um, whereby... You know the Game of Thrones intro where the dun 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 and the castles emerge from the ground? The world map does that where as you zoom out, every time, every click of the mouse wheel, it zooms out another bit and different parts of the scenery shrinks into the flat. So if you zoom all the way out, you're looking at a paper map. And as you zoom in, castles go whoop and Yeah, it becomes this thing. When you zoom out, you see like the colours, like really bright colours of like all of the border lines and regions. Like you're looking at a a Lannister map. like you're looking at a map, but then you zoom in closer and you get like the detail and the the landscape. Rivers and flowers and all that stuff. It is nice, but I found myself repeatedly forgetting to switch off the thing, which shows you what each bit of resource is worth. So really you're just looking at this constant mess of numbers. (laughs) Um, It's Yeah, so it's got civilizations tech. It's got uh, kind of unit development and politics, diplomacy. Um, you know, and it's got, most importantly, that Moorish thing where it's just like, it's like... It's crack. It's, it's crack. It's I was actually going to say crack. crack, exactly. Because, you know, it's you've got your hero and your hero's about to level up, Joe. But there's there's a ruins right over the hill. Do you want to go and check out the ruins? Obviously. Oh, well, you can't get there this turn, but you can get there next turn. And you hit end turn and it goes, oh... Your city's just finished building the aqueduct. What are you going to build next? What are you going to build next? Oh, your hero got, your hero just leveled up. Where are you going to spend the skill points, Joe? And, <laughs> oh, uh, you've got to do this within 10 turns. And <laughs> It's like, it's, it's the last game I played, which I had this, I found sort of almost damaging to the way I like live. <laughs> um, uh, was probably Game Dev Story, which was a game that oh, I just... Oh, that is unbelievable. I went, I went through a Kairosoft phase, and I don't yeah. like to talk about it. For those of you not familiar, Kairosoft games are mobile games. Uh, that doesn't really matter which one you get. Some of them are varying in quality, um, but 
Game Dev Story was particularly good. It's mainly not like their first, no. or, is that, or is that their first big hit? First breakthrough, yeah. You know, you know uh, if you if the people at home imagine, you know, when you strip a wire, strip the rubber off a wire, and you touch it to some metal, and there's loads of sparks. Carousel Games have figured out how to do that to your brain. Yes, yes. Where it's like you get like a city, or like like a little maybe you have a little cruise ship, and then it goes. Your cruise ship just got to Paris. Okay, Here's loads of money. Well do you want a chef? As a chef. Yeah, I mean, do you want a house? Yeah. The, the trick with boat? with Game Dev Story that works so well was it had some built in rules that made you feel clever and made you feel like you were adding something to the game but it was kind of an illusion <laughs> but you just weren't you just weren't no you no, were it just gamifies aspirations it just yeah. makes it makes you think you're achieving things with your life so here's <laughs> speaking of which so the the reason I've been able to back out of Endless Legend and install it because I realise it's the devil is actually because of all the board games that you know I, yeah. I run Shut Up and Sit Down for a living now and the thing you realise really quickly with board games is a good board game turn-based often, will present you with interesting decisions. That is the nut of it. A good board game forces you to decide between two things. And at some point, Civ stopped doing that. Uh, Like, Civ now is, you make obvious decisions, and then you click next turn, and all the numbers go up, and you make an obvious... So rarely in Civ do you get that single moment that, for me, justifies a strategy game, which, for the record, is why I still think Ruse is the greatest RTS that existed in the last, like, eight years. Of putting you in the chair and going, what do you do now? And you're going, oh. I never played Ruse. Ruse is boss. I'm going to take 60 <laughs> seconds to tell you about Ruse. Go for it, go for it. Ruse is a game where you don't have, there's no fog of war, but you both familiar with RTS. Mm, yep. So, you know when you're close enough in an RTS where uh, the fog of war goes away? Mm-hmm. Instead of having that, Ruse lets you know where all the units on the map are, and instead of just finally seeing them, you see whether they're real or not. Oh, actually, no, I tell a lie. It's when you attack them, you find out they're real or not. Holy shit. So all it is, <laughs> like, awful. you zoom out. No, no, it's boss. I mean, terrifying. Not, it's so, not awful in the No, it's it's, real it's absolutely horrific of, like, um, I don't know. I, I remember playing with Kieran Gillen in a back when he was on RPS, and we just had the most terrifying games where, like, his tank factory starts producing, like, you know, an endless stream of tanks that are going to your base straight towards, like, where you have artillery. And you go, that's not real. I'm going to continue shelling his base. They get closer and you go, they can't be real. There's no way they're real. And then they start shooting you, you go, oh no, they're real. And it's just fantastic. It, it, it ruses an entire game where every single minute you're going, what do you want to do now? What's your secret plan? And you see this move? Do you think that's real? Do you th- and it, it's, it, it, you get rused. You get out-rused, Matt. And then that you feel very, like an idiot. Very cool. It's astonishing. And it's one of those cases of just like, the devs made a beautiful, fantastic game with a brilliant campaign mode and the best multiplayer ever. And... Sell. Ah. Job done. Anyway, well, yeah. they must have marketed it badly because I was aware of Ruse. I knew it was a strategy game, but I did not know any of that stuff. No, you know what? I remember the marketing as well. I don't know if it was the marketing. I think it's the case of like maybe it just wasn't pushed hard enough. I don't know. No, I, it's there was no reason to buy it. It did not have that thing. If someone walks into a game shop and goes, "Oh, what's this Ruse?" Yeah, I'll buy that because it's a new IP. It's a new IP that uses new ideas. It doesn't look like anything popular that's come out before. Yeah, it's well, a, I, yeah. Well, I mean. I, what you were saying though about the whole board game thing I think that's the problem I have with Endless Legends it starts off feeling like that and it starts off like you have these interesting decisions at the start you're like which way am I going to expand my city should I go for that should I focus on like science money like just you're expand. not really asking yourself those questions you kind of just do it on autopilot well I know because the thing is I played it I've played it for 60 hours um, so <laughs> you actually probably know more about it than me yeah so you know I have got that but the problem is it still has that same thing with Civ of er- an early game is exciting you're pushing against borders with strangers you're, you're trying to set out your 
your own... You're always trying to, like, overstretch yourself to try and get the best you can without putting yourself in a position where you're going to do a roam, you know, and just be like, oh, shit, we've got too much. Everything's gone bad. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, then you reach, like, the middle game, and it's just, like... It, it, you realise it's just really empty, and it becomes so sparse that the, the whole thing, like, the thing that board games do so well within that same arena of, like, you know, grid-based things is... Generally, good ones keep it quite tight throughout and know when to end a game yeah. before hmm. they become dull. Whereas even on the short game mode, um, even on the 150 turns version, you still get that zone where at the end you just find yourself just clicking, clicking, clicking. And you're like, you're just doing stuff. It just becomes busy work and you're not really enjoying it. But my God, you can't stop doing it. No, right? and I think like actually it has the same problem that I've always had with the Total War games, whereby it can never strike the balance between... Of the, the balance of difficulty. Either you encounter a new civilization or a new enemy and you just steamroll them and you kind of feel quite good about that. It's quite Moorish. Or you go over the hill and the AIs develop something more advanced than you and it destroys you and then you leave the game yeah, and start and a new it, one. It's got this sort of tactical combat where you... I, I just went, to be honest, and this says a lot about it, I think I always just go auto. I can't be bothered because it has this tactical grid-based combat, but it's just not good enough. It's like you can't do things like... You tell your people where to go and where to attack, but you can't choose the order of movement. You can't choose the order of Oh, no, it tells attack. you at the top of the screen. Really? Yeah. Well, it's just not clear and it's not... Like the tutorial is just not good enough to explain all that stuff. And also it's just not... I don't know, it's not... I, I love turn-based, grid-based combat, and it just nothing about it enticed me. I was like, I can't be bothered with this element of the game at all. No, it's pretty woolly. It I mean, didn't it's, grab me. it's beautiful and it's better than Civ, and I think that's, you know, reason enough for it to get the yeah. game of the year on RPS, but also I don't think... I think Civ's one of those games where, like, you know, like a lot of mainstream FPSs, where it's like we've gotten into the habit of giving them nines and tens when actually no sure one enjoys it, them anymore. That's the thing, I don't think the formula is that good, and I think, like, it's nice that this tries to kind of sharpen it up, but... It's just, even I've been playing it a lot and I've been trying to win different ways and it's just like, you know, I was trying to win diplomacy. Diplomacy in that game is really boring. Like, there's yep. just, like, there's so many elements of the game. Like, it's not that much fun to do tactical combat. Like, there's only a certain number of ways to try and win the game that are actually fun. And, yeah, it's just like, I mean, I was chatting to a friend in the pub recently about Civ. He's a big Civ nut and I think it has the same problem. He was saying, like, oh, you know, in Civ... A game of Civ, you have like maybe one or two good wars, like you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. It's like that's, that's the exactly way it, works. it. Yeah, you have a couple of times in the game where you feel like genuinely neck and neck threatened, um, but then as you're saying, it's either that or you're steamrolling people, or somebody is just exponentially getting ahead of you, and you don't know why, and you're just fucked. No, the best strategy games on Steam right now, for my money, are like smaller indie ones because while you think strategy and you want it to be epic, actually. In terms of what's better for you, like in an hourly investment, small indie games allow them to, because the simulation's quite tight, it allows them to have more control over it and it mm. allows them to make sure you are challenged routinely. It's why Invisible Ink is astonishing because it's like, yeah. you're going to be dead in six hours, but it comes down to, you know, whether you can manage that. How you do it. But I, I think, I mean, the final thing I'll say about it is I find it a bit, even though it is beautiful and I love the theme and I love all the different races you can play and it's all beautifully presented. Yeah, it's, it's in a way, the I art felt, is like breathtakingly like it it's, is it's top tier fantasy art like but Guild Wars I, I kind of felt like I, that I was uh, the, the way the game is presented at the start I kind of felt like it was in a way after playing it for a while that not even for that long after about 10 hours I was like I kind of felt like I've been sold a bit of a false promise and the fact that it's like it gives a sense of richness that isn't actually there it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's aesthetically rich but the answer to how they fill it in because it shows this little cutscene at the start whichever race you choose it gives you an intro to this and you think, this is really exciting. Like, there's, there's, there's backstory and you've got this aim with civilization, but then the story is told only through doing the main story quests. And the thing is, some of the quests are just things like you just... The problem is it asks you to do things that sometimes aren't part of your plan. Like, it's like... 
destroy this enemy city or take it over. And it's like, I can't. I'm not, I'm like friends with them or like, oh, I'm going to be friends with them or, or I, I haven't got that. a military. I actually, like, I quite like that because it does pull you out of the civilization thing of the rut I was just describing of like, next turn, do the obvious thing next turn. I remember um, I... Had a I know what you mean, but it's this thing where it's like I've had two games in a row now where it's been like get twenty die, and it's like I look on the map, it's like well, there's no die in any of the places. That's I... why you buy it from the marketplace. Well, no, but it's so expensive. I know that's why you. Stri- it's why it's a challenge. And if you haven't researched the marketplace, you then have to research them. I, I don't know. I just found that every time I want to do a story, but it makes it so. It makes you go against the grain. Well, just yeah. to get the story. As much I do, as I was going to say, I do quite like the idea of a of a game sort of looking at how you're playing and then telling you to do the opposite. No, see, so like <laughs> sports dad being like, you know your best friend, he's really good at football. <laughs> Slide tackle him, take out his knees. See, this is, uh, yeah, no, this is why I like it. It's like I had a civilization that was on the brink of um, rebellion because they expanded too fast. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'll stop expanding. And then my quest was like, you know what? We don't know enough science. Found a city that's based entirely on science. We'll call it Scienceopolis and all this nonsense. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. And that's why it was good, because it briefly, through this totally forced mechanic, made Civ interesting by going play badly. And it's too like, random, oh. though. And also, the thing that annoyed me most is, uh, on what in one game, I really went out of my way to like finish a story thing because I wanted to do it. And the end of the, st- the, end of the story was just like really unsatisfactory, kind of like, and then just like, oh, here's an amazing goodie for one of your heroes. I'm like, that's not why I was doing this. Like, I wasn't doing this for like a trinket. I want a story. And it has that really unsatisfactory thing of like, when you win the game, you just get a... It's just the screen with some numbers on it. It's like, you gave me a fucking cutscene at the start. <laughs> I want a fucking cutscene at the 15 hour mark. Like, if all it had was a little, like, a 10 second cutscene for each of the races, I would have completed it with all the races. But as mm. it is, it's just like, I kind of originally got into it because I love the lore and I love the, oh, I love this idea, but it's just so thin. Yeah. And it's like, this is just numbers. Because you see the art and else. you assume it's the text matches up and it takes you a long time to realise the text actually I feel really brutal to say it but it's a game that doesn't really have much heart um, which is for me I I might disagree I think it's I think it has heart I think it's a smaller team than you might be envisioning I think I think it's a team that are spread thin rather than the oh yeah yeah but I just I felt like it's just I don't know it's aesthetically beautiful but I just I wanted something that had a bit more soul man if you want something just to prove kind of what a I don't. I like it about as much as you, but what a kind of miracle Ender's Legend is. If you play that team's previous game, it's like an indie game made by what seems to be three people. Oh, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's an imp- amazing work from a small team. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to checking out Endless Dungeon. Apparently yeah, no, that's the thing I was just... A Dungeon yeah. of the Endless. Dungeon yeah. of the Endless. It's odd, very briefly. It's like um, it, roguelike, where it's kind of, your ship crash lands in a horrible dungeon planet. And you have a couple of people to explore, and you're exploring room by room. And it's pseudo-turn-based because... Every time you open the door to a new room, which then lets you expand your base into that, monsters spawn. And it's like a set number of monsters depending on where you are. So you're kind of, you're wandering around and you're building things and you're trying to develop your research and your weapons and you're trying to get gold. So when you meet the merchant, you can buy things. And then every so often you go, okay, let's go. And you open a door and then it becomes kind of an action game very briefly while monsters appear. It's really odd and Mm. very, very hard. Yeah. That's the thing. They, they've clearly got immense talent. It's just, um, I, I kind of, I think the thing that, that you forget, one of the things that is a massive appeal of civilization that's lost in this is that sense of having a kind of grounded point of reference. There's that point in every Civ game where it goes like, oh, um, 
like uh, what's, give me one of them. <laughs> give, me, give me someone that isn't Gandhi because I need him for another thing Gandhi in a minute. Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar has almost finished the Great War, and that gives you a sense of like where everyone else is at. And you're like, oh fuck, I need the Great War because the Great War is fucking great. People can't. You can just basically dick on everyone. They can't declare war on you. About it's it. brilliant. Um, so you have this sense of like importance of understanding which are the, the real important things mm. whereas in the kind of fantasy setting with all the stuff it's a bit vaguer of being like is that really really important or not yeah. wasn't that people's problem with Beyond Earth like the Probably, idea that yeah. you just have no idea like, <laughs> like it, it's a weird planet full of like big bugs he's like well is this satellite the good one <laughs> yeah like, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised because like, that's the thing is you, you know from Civ from human history, from mm. basic human history, which things, or, or just by reading the description briefly and going, fucking hell, that's amazing. <laughs> you, you know which are the things you want. Yeah. And it has that thing of, like, I don't know, I always play Civ as being like, I want pretty much all the wonders. I get pissed off for the first time another civilization gets a wonder. I'm like, who did that? Dick. <laughs> I actually just hate that element of Civ. I hate the whole, of like, ah, oh, Napoleon Bonaparte has finished building the, you know, the lighthouse of Alexandria, and you go, that doesn't make any sense, Napoleon! And then I start hyperventilating it, and I need my inhaler. Hanging gardens have to be in Babylon! <laughs> yeah, it's that. Jesus I, am, I am Jeremy from Peep Show, or, like, based, uh, is what Mark. happens. Mark, yeah, sorry, Mark. Jeremy would not give a Jeremy shit. Jeremy wouldn't care, no. He'd be like, he'd think they weren't there. Anyway, I it's it's the fact that a you have that as a as a, a kind of a, an idea of how well you're doing. Like it's it's very bad at giving you a sense of how well you're doing. You just look at the number and everyone else has a higher number than you. You're like why? What I'm thought I thought I was doing well, but you don't get a sense of like why you're getting behind in the same way. And also, it doesn't have that funny thing of the fact that it has these alien races and all these different races, but you never really get that much of a sense of them being like yeah, they're very simple characters. But it's like I love the way that you have the funny things of like you know the, the Aztecs end up becoming like basically the, the equivalent of today's American society or like the fact that Gandhi just loves <laughs> nuking people it's like it has a kind of it's there's something silly about it which kind of works which is sort of lost um in this setting I'm sure I don't know I just think it needed a bit more work but that's they're a small team and I've got to say it is impressive it just annoys me that it's done that thing as we said earlier that it's basically like a live wire that's been plugged into my brain so, and I don't like I don't actually like it that much you want to talk about but I've played it for way too fucking long a wire that has run into my brain recently just as of yesterday that I would like to tell you guys about just to get a sort of test the water as to whether I'm mad this is uh, an app that's come out from a Japanese development team called Dreeps, and it's on the iOS. Uh, that sounds or... like a drug. Was it <laughs> you telling me about this yesterday? Yeah, I was, I was tweeting about it yesterday. I think it might have been uh, somebody else, maybe Gav. Uh, Mr. Oh, no, Gav yeah, Gav Murphy. got it from me. Oh, okay, yeah. he was saying, have you checked it out yet? It's like an interactive screensaver. It's well, what it, Dreeps is like, it's, it bills itself as like the first alarm clock role-playing game. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what? This, yeah, so what this is, is it is an... I mean, people have done this before, but never as classy as this. It's an RPG, that basically, JRPG, that plays itself. So, you, you know, you get the app and you start it and then you see a little robot boy who wakes up and he's talking to this female scientist and, the, like, all the speech bubbles are like, wah, 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 with lines kind of like Snoopy. And then the boy goes off into the world and then he's walking around a world and he's killing monsters and it's all a bit weird and you don't know what's going on and you can't interact with it. Sometimes he'll fall over. Wait, if hang on. Some... <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a full stop after that? You can't interact with it? Oh, no, yeah. Well, I mean, you can. The way you interact with it solely... <laughs> I was like, this isn't the game, this is a film. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, kind of. And uh, the way you interact with it is, you know, your boy only has a certain number of hit points. And when he runs out of hit points, you know, he needs to rest. Well, does he have to feed him? No. Is this, is this Tamagotchi? It is extremely close to a Tamagotchi. 
Um, but you just set your alarm. It, it's a it's an alarm clock. So and when you set the alarm, so when you go to sleep, you're like, I want to wake up at eight, and the boy sleeps at the same time. When the phone goes off and you go turn off my alarm, the boy also wakes up and starts wandering around his world. Right. And I just need to know: is this going to be a game that encourages me to go to sleep more? No, or not to sleep. No, it, it follows your own rhythm. And you know what I? What you, I don't want the boy to die. He doesn't. Well, he falls over, and sometimes you have to tap on him to make him stand up. So you, then, what you do is when you're when you're at your desk. I don't know. This is amazing or terrible. It's a, no. Okay. The thing I should also tell you is that it has gorgeous pixel art and really nice music. And what you do is you're at your desk and you're working, and you put your iPhone or your iPad. Just on a little stand. Yo, man, I gotta get my dreeps fixed. <laughs> I need my... I gotta see it. I Is he falling over? I gotta get my dreeps. I haven't checked on my dreeps boy in like eight hours. <laughs> my dreeps I really boy. hope he's okay. But it's no... It's like... <laughs> slang from the wire. <laughs> I was exactly going to say that. The top stash has got the Dreeps boy. Oh, I know I've got me Googling Dreeps boy. <laughs> so, um, no, you're going to look at the pixel and you'll immediately see why it's charming. So you have your phone just propped up on your desk next to you and while you're working, your little boy's wandering around and he's killing monsters. And yesterday, like, I checked on what he was doing. The game actually encourages you to not keep an eye on it all the time. So when you turn it off or you do other things on your phone and you check back in, he's in a different area or he's doing something you don't know how he got there. And... I'm trying not to make this sound creepy, but like, as I was cleaning my teeth, I was like, oh, what's happening with my Dreeps boy? And I loaded up my iPad and he was sat at a little campfire with like a little robot stove. And I was like, oh, it's robot late. Stove. It's dark in the world of Dreeps and he should be, he should be asleep and I should be asleep too. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just so sweet. Are you looking at pictures now? Though? I've been getting my Dreep on. Yeah, um, I've been trying to like, Dreeps. I've been trying to get my Dreep on. Uh, you can't load them. Pick me so. up some Dreep Boy I action. Um, I haven't got an iPhone, so it's iPhone only. Though, so I, it must be an iPad. Yeah, no, get it on. I, I don't have an iPhone, but I have it on my iPad. And um, is it better on iPad? Because well, it's larger on I'm iPad. Download it. That now. makes more sense. Oh no, get it. Oh no, my God, we can here download Dreep's it while live. we're answering questions, and Joe will start it. I'm on edge. Welcome to the Dreep Cast. I'm so excited. Um, no, I, I'm actually like the thing is when you as soon as you start talking about it, I was like. I don't know if this is terrible or brilliant, but I'm going to check it out. No, it's it's neither. You remember Mountain? It's like Mountain. Yeah, Here's I was going to say it sounds similar. It's, it's similar, but the thing about Mountain is it wasn't for me. Like Mountain, that kind of... Can you log me in to Wi-Fi so yeah, I can log get you into the <laughs> So Mountain... I can get you some drips, boy. <laughs> you want some drips? Give me the drips, Carl. I'll get you some drips. I, this is cool. This is funny and all, but if you guys could be a bit more respectful when talking about drips <laughs> in my presence. No, I think there's going to be more and more of these games that aren't even... You know, that you just watch and they're just companions. The and problem, I'm fine with that. The problem I have with Mountain, right, this is a simple problem, is it wasn't coded very well. Right, Dreeps... Mountain a- was... I had it on my PC and it was really lovely, but it was also extremely hardware intensive, which means whenever I had Mountain open, it tended to slow down my editing software. <laughs> and it's just a fucking little mountain. And it's like, I'm not being funny, you should not be using this much of my system. Like, unless you are like actually an AI, sentient AI that I've killed. By switching you off. So if so, I'm sorry, Mountain. I think Mountain was just, yeah, like a dude messing around. It was, it was, I liked it. It was something about it that was weirdly mysterious and it made me feel something. And fuck it, that's so, something it needs to do. And you know what? And Dreeps makes me feel something as well because it taps into all my JRPG nostalgia. Like it's SNES era graphics and it's just so cute and weird and the music's really sad and the boy looks like he's crying all the time. <laughs> but he's not. He's just a little robot. <laughs> but he's not. I swear. I didn't touch him. I swear it's, he's not like crying. The more you say this, the more it sounds like drugs. It's like, crazy. He's not crying. He loves the heroin. It's great. 
It is the creepiest game I've been playing. I heartily recommend Dreeps for everyone at home. It's great. First week is free. through downloading Dreeps. I'm really excited. We're gonna the people at home will hear the music. When Get my Dreep on. <laughs> uh, well, because we didn't talk about any games, um, la- well, not really. I will briefly mention I've been playing lots of uh, iPad games recently. Yes. Um, I've probably talked about some of them in the past. But, uh, yeah, I'll briefly just say that in case you haven't played already, Papers, Please on the iPad is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is a I was gonna brilliant ask that. Is that, like, how does it change the game? Because that feels like it would be easier. Like, there was something about how fussy Papers, Please was that I really liked. Whereas Having the to iPad, click on things to move them like and then click, click again and, and click. Like, and... there was something about... Whereas, like, moving things... With the touchpad seems kind of well. Um, basically, it sort of is, but it sort of isn't because what it does, rather, when I first loaded it up, I was like, "Hang on, a bloody minute here! I'm not sure how I feel about this." Um, is the fact that actually you only actually use the bottom third of the screen in terms of your table, okay. and I was like, "You've got all this screen, and what, you know, you're only using a tiny bit." Oh, of it. that's cool. So it's like an actual desk in front of you, and then you look up at the people. Yeah. So basically, means the top bit of the screen is the the queue of mm. the people, and then the middle bit of the screen is like the person you see with all the information uh, okay. and the speech and things like that. Oh, oh. dreeps noise. Does everyone hear the soft noise of dreeps? I can hear it dreeping in the air tonight. Okay. Oh, here we go. No, it's not loading. That was a screen. And then I wonder it... if Dreeps, because when I typed in Dreeps Boy, it said, do you mean Dreams? So I wonder if it is dreams like... Dreams Boy. If it is like some sort of dream. Sure. No, I think it's just a Japanese Dreams studio. and Sleeps. Dream... Yeah, I think that's it. It's a, it's a mixture of Dreams and Sleeps. Joe, why don't you read play. all the okay. extensive how to play? Set Dreeps Alarm before you sleep. After a restful slumber, your HP will be invigorated. What about if you don't sleep well? I don't sleep terribly well at the moment. Well, your boy will, all right? You're <laughs> <laughs> so protective of Dreams Boy. I love my You leave Dreams Boy alone. As the robot boy sets forth, your day begins. This yeah, see, sounds quite exciting. It's, it gets me out of bed as a freelancer, man. Like... I love this. Observe the robot boy's exploits while at work. Or at snack time. <laughs> the game will adapt to your life rhythm. Oh, there's a big exclamation mark. Allow notifications. Listen, Joe, do you want to know about Papers, Please? Or do you want to <laughs> so you hang out with Dream? I'm He's mine now. I'm going to wait on the Ready for Adventure screen. Yeah, no. You, you can talk about Papers, Please. You can kick off the adventure later. Yeah. This Dream's adventure may take some time. <laughs> it um, may take the rest of your natural life. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got, like, basically most of the screen. And it means you can, like... It's just the bits at the top, and you, you, a lot of it is like slightly interactive, but it means you don't have that much room, so it's totally. Mm. But it means you kind of hold it, and it means if you're holding the iPad up, it means you can basically just be using your thumbs, oh, or you can, okay. or you just hold the iPad and just do it with one finger. But actually, one of the first things you unlock um, as an upgrade in the booth is twin touch controls. So it's actually different to the PC version. So huh. you can buy the ability to use two fingers at once. Oh, that's weird. And then it fucks up your family by being able to be yeah, better at your course. job. <laughs> of course. Of course. But it's actually really, there is, it's just, it's so, it works so well on the iPad. And it's actually hugely satisfying because I don't use the, the twin touch controls very often mm. because I don't often play on a table or something on my lap in a way that I can easily do it. But there's something hugely satisfying after you've gone, yeah, yeah, that's all good, of going, flicking them in the passport. And then using two fingers, my like archery fingers or whatever, to just like grab their like papers and just go and just hand them back over <laughs> and drag them up. And it's just like, yep, 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 yep. But it's just something about being able to just go, yep, and just, just move things from side to side and just shuffling them around, checking them out. It's quite nice. It really does. I mean, you're not, but it does feel more like you're handling papers. Uh, when, when Papers, Please first came out, I was obsessed with the beta. And when it came out, I, I was on O&M and I emailed, and the Wii U had just come out. And I emailed Lucas Pope and said... Is there any chance this will ever come to Wii U? And 
and and I just had all these visions of like the desk being on the gamepad and yeah. everything else being on the TV screen and like having to look at that and going oh shit on the and like stuff going on <laughs> terrorists running on and stuff. Yeah. And he emailed back and was like, "It'd be the perfect, be the perfect." Like he literally said, "the perfect platform," but like it will never sell. <laughs> I was just like, no. oh, God and also you probably, probably have trouble with Nintendo. Well, as well of course, like, yeah. They, but they it's have... just well, they wouldn't allow nudity and yeah, that kind yeah. Of stuff. But um, yeah, it was just. I love the idea of that, that like messing about looking at one thing whilst other stuff happens somewhere else. Like it's the perfect split screen game. Yeah. No one's been able to do it it's yet. It's such a shame that also we're now going to enter about 15 years of people not using similar tech to the Wii U because the Wii U was proven as a failure. Exactly. When the Wii yeah. used gamepad, the second screen is great. It's amazing. Like uh, the, the best moments of like, if uh, of the nine people that have finished Wonderful 101, like the there's a oh I need to play that oh my god there's a section on that <laughs> where the top the the TV screen is like a spaceship flying through a cartoon city and you're controlling it but you're controlling it by controlling your squad of a hundred people on the second screen <laughs> pressing huge buttons inside the spaceship to like and you're having to run to the up button and then go oh shit I need to fire a laser at these other spaceships so you're running across the screen to another one and it's just un- like there's nothing else like it uh, it's genuinely like it's it's the most sort of Kamiya thinking how to fuck with you as a player game and th- you know that takes some doing um, yeah, it's it's incredible. Oh, I need like, to just buy like multiple games by Wii U and just vet it. Yeah, still need to, to play uh, the new Mario. Oh, it's good, man. Yeah, yeah no but, shit. But, I actually well, say I played quite a lot of Wii U over Christmas, and it just didn't. I, I don't know if I just wasn't in the right mood. What were you playing? When I first played the Mario Super Mario 3D World, I played it with Simon Miller, and we just laughed like drains and mm. felt like children, and it was fantastic. But I played it with my brother over Christmas. I'm not saying my brother's a bad guy. He's great. <laughs> I think maybe I just wasn't in the right mood, but I just we played through like three or four worlds, and it was like, it's fun. It was good mm. fun, but it didn't grab me. Apart from that level where you're on the big shiny orange dinosaur flapping That's about, going left, 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 right, 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 which is just pure joy. Um, a lot of it, I just thought, yes, it's fun, but it didn't grab me. And the same with Mario Kart. Like, it's a really good Mario Kart game. I really enjoyed playing it. But after about three or four hours, I'd unlocked all the tracks. And I was like, I didn't really... I played it online, and it was fun, but it didn't really grab me. You've got to be playing online with people you know. I think that's the problem. Like, occasionally I'll get together with people, and we'll be on Skype. And so we'll just be, like, screaming obscenities <laughs> at each other whilst we play normal Mario Kart. And that kind of... There is that weird thing where Mario Kart has always been a local multiplayer game and yeah. they've not really cracked it as an online game so you have yeah. to sort of circumvent the the, the, the restrictions they've well, it's, put it's on the online game. Yeah, which it's from like, Monster Hunter was always getting in the same room as yes, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't get the feeling that I also like, I do quite like playing Mario, Mario Kart games in this solitary way. There were some ones on the, the GBA I remember I got so into because yeah. there were like so many things to unlock and so many things to do by playing it really, really fucking well mm. and getting the time trails Nailed this stuff. one's got the, the, the like the three star unlock system thing is still bafflingly obtuse like there's <laughs> something a, a, a guy from Nintendo once tried to describe to me how you get three stars on a Grand Prix which is like getting the gold medal and then doing three times as much work to get it um, and he tried to explain how it worked and couldn't it was it was too much like math for him to be able to describe what it took to do that. That's so the there is like a level of skill play that's beyond me. Yeah. And Nintendo, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's just I didn't like I, I kind of like it was one of the things where I just looked at it and thought, yeah, you you fixed loads of stuff that in the Wii version was bullshit. Yeah. Um but I don't know, it just it just felt like this is it's alright. But um it didn't grab me in the same way that with all the handheld ones I've become like super obsessive with them and just cane them. Yeah. Um 
But hey, um, I was going to talk a little bit about 80 Days, but I'll do that another time. It's All I'd best. say about 80 Days is it's really, really good. I've um, not played it since the patch as well. I, the, have you done the North Pole thing? Oh, is the North Pole a patch thing? That was a patch. I did not know that. So that they added like a whole section of world, <laughs> which is just the best thing. That makes a lot of sense because I've had loads of people saying to me like, "Oh, why can't you? Why can you only go to Paris?" And I'm like, "Oh, you can go. You can go somewhere else instead. You can go to Cambridge." And I'm like, "No, you can't. Like, yeah, you can. You can. And you can go to Paris or Cambridge in the original version, but I think you can go further and further north in the well, I've done the North version, Pole. So yeah. So I've not. And not actually, done the video yet. I put up today was a sort of about my ten favorite things of last year, and one of the things was going to the North Pole. Oh, sweet. And that was something that really just snuck in just after I think it was played on Boxing Day, mm. and I was just sitting playing Eighty Days, and I got really obsessed with it, and I just. It's a really, really great game. It doesn't have a, that much longevity for reasons mm. because it like it's very narrative based, and there, there are certain bits where you go around the world, you always go through the same locations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, after you've done the same bit of story three times, it's like, oh, I don't want to read this again. I've read it three times. There were bits where I was just going, I'll take it. Like there were <laughs> there were bits where I was going you know what, to get to this one place that I haven't been, because the writing is so good. Yeah. Like, you, Meg you, Giant's writing is is like... I, I did an strong. interview with um, John Ingold, who runs Inkle recently, and he said, like, she wrote uh, sort of... A, a, they have this engine called Inkle Writer, which is their version of Twine, essentially. To That's a hugely reductive way to refer to it. But sure. basically, it's their version of Twine. And Meg Giant wrote a piece for that, and they liked it so much. He said... She wrote one small piece, so we got her to write half a million words for eighty days. Wow! And like, and it's half totally worth it. Yeah, there is a lot of there stuff are in that half game. a million words in that. But game. I did exactly the same thing, and my only complaint about it is the fact that you. I love playing it because you want to kind of get to these awkward places that you've never been to, just so you can see what happens there. Mm. And there's always like events, and mm. sometimes it is slightly different. But the problem is sometimes the game is conspires against you. There are about makes... three or four bottlenecks throughout yeah. that world that yeah. you just it, it always goes. Here we go. Like, and it's easily fixed. They just need to basically make sure that the bottlenecks have a wide a wide variety of things that can happen in them. Because there's one bit where there's a murder mystery on a boat. Oh, fuck. And it's bit. like... The, the, <laughs> yeah. the first time you do it, I didn't get it right. I didn't work out the murder. And it's so and exciting. It, it, was, it was still exciting. But then the second time I did it, I... I did work out the murder, and that was really exciting. But then from that point onwards, it was like, I know how to do this. I know yeah. how to solve the murder. And so it just becomes a thing of just knowing which things you have to press in which order. And it's like, it spoils it, because apart from that, the game is pure magic. And you end up just wanting to go to the place. And that's why I went out of my way, and the last thing I did in it, after I went around the world, I started playing it, I failed the first time. I was like 82 days, I didn't quite make it. And then, I just played it for like two days solidly, I went around the world four times. And the last time I did, I went. I thought I'm going to go to the North Pole, and I knew that the North Pole would be quite exciting. Um, but fucking hell, I, I actually won't say anything else about it. I'll just say fucking hell. If you like games and you like narrative experiences, and you haven't played Eighty Days and you haven't been to the North Pole, sort your life out. Have you read it, about any of the secrets? There are secrets. So there are bits where you have to do multiple playthroughs to unlock a thing on the next playthrough. Ah. So there's like two of them, which are which revolve around other Jules Verne stories. Oh, okay. It's Fucking excellent. That's like, cool. There's some amazing I stuff. I just love this thing that a studio which clearly has so much talent had to harness an IP to, you know, get up on top of the app store mm. and make some really good sales. But, I mean, I've heard some other developers complain about it, but the thing of like, oh, well, we'll just take this out of copyright thing. Yeah. We'll work with this. And that's great. Yeah. Like, I would love to see more games. Like, I'm not a fan of classic literature by any means, but I would love to see games creep into the public eye through taking these old out of print things. Well, hey. that's the thing. It, it took to the point when there were robots in it that I thought, 
this isn't like the book. Because <laughs> I never read the book, so I was like, is this the book? There's I don't a, know. There's a walking Taj Mahal. <laughs> it's mad. <laughs> there's a lot of really mad, majestic, wonderful, fascinating stuff. It is. It, I think it's the only game of last... No, it's not the only game. God, actually, a lot of stuff came out last year that made me cry. A lot of really teeny indie releases, but... 80 Days is a tearjerker for me. Yeah, it's it's very, very emotional. and But I love the way it also makes you feel a part of the world. Like, you know, you're just a gentleman's gentleman. You're a valet. Yeah. Which means sometimes if you start behaving inappropriately in terms of, like, better people or ladies, you get your wrist slapped. You <laughs> which is, again, great and so interesting because games always, you know... Cater they, to you. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. I've always said that the fantasy game, if I had to make a fantasy dungeon crawler game I'd make, would be just a... Did I talk about this on Dark Souls before? You're just a squire simulator where the hero travels with you and mm. your job is get out of his sword now, quickly, come on, come well, it's, on. It's a disgustingly flawed game, but Weapon Shop Day on Marseille on the 3DS, which is one of those guild yeah. games, um, making you the person in the weapon shop who makes the weapons for the adventurers and then watching a fantasy version of Twitter play out whilst they <laughs> do amazing things and your only interaction is like, like text alerts is... Is an incredible idea. I mean, it doesn't work as a game because you're bored all the time, but you would be. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really cool. Like, they're doing that sort of better and better. Like, even Dragon Age, to me, got close to the idea of, like, you're not the centre of this world anymore when it introduced a character that you could try and seduce, and then it turns out halfway through the story that she's married, and you go... Fuck yeah! People could have met someone before I met them, and and it's I've never you just been, don't think about yeah exactly that. I've never been faced with that in a game before where it's like no they just like someone else deal with it actually a, like, t- a tiny aside I really liked in eighty days is the fact that it, you always get the sense of like you realise quite early on that if you are going to try and engage in any relationships or any like you don't have relationships but you might have like a moment with somebody it's all yeah. very like sweet and romantic yeah. really. you, you share have a to, kiss on the top of a tree yeah yeah precisely <laughs> like, you, have to, you have to do it like oh, I love it so much you have to be quite subtle you have to be quite like you know you have to be discreet mm. because you're not really supposed to be you know you're, you've got a job to do you're a gentleman's gentleman uh, but I love that because of that it means actually throughout the game there are kind of like almost equal opportunities to have these little romantic moments with both men and women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just nice because it's like, well, yeah, why not? It's like there's fucking robots and stuff. It's just about that <laughs> it's all this mad shit. So it's like, why not? If you want to like, you know, have a, have a slight sweet moment with another gentleman in a hot air balloon, then you can. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of thought that was the sort of thing you sort of think, yeah, that's nice. It's nice that they've just done that. It's a really beautiful game, but yeah, going to the North Pole is a... Really, really something. Obviously, don't do it straight away. Play the game a bit first because I think getting to know the characters and falling in love with them a little bit is a, a big part of it. Mm. Anyway, um, let's wrap up with a couple of questions. So we have. Have you picked out some stompers? I have. I picked out some. Well, I picked out some good ones. You know. I want stompers. stonkers. Stomp- stompers. Stompers. That's a term we have in Netrunner. A good deck is a stomper. Oh, very. It's very macho. Very macho. Uh, we got. Uh, what are the cast members? That's very formal. Uh, this is from Rob Lloyd. Uh, what are the thoughts on Amiibos? And have any of you bought any? If so, which ones? Oh, I tell you what, I don't care about Amiibos, but I do want the Wii Fit one ever since it got discontinued because it's the most surreal one, you know? Like the, How's that? What, the, the Wii Fit? Yeah. The, oh, as in the choice of character. Yes, no, out right. of the choice of character, no. I, would I thought like... you meant it had... Because you know there were so many manufacturing problems with Amiibos. Like, I thought you were saying, like, maybe its arms were on backwards. Oh! Because like, there were those <laughs> ones, there were, like, Samus models with two gun arms. Well, for and there a, was a There was a Star Fox that was printed upside down. <laughs> so it was just its head on the floor. Why is it that the Samus with two gun arms went on eBay for five grand and not the upside down fox? Exactly. It's ridiculous. What's wrong with the world? <laughs> Dude can body pop. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the Wii Fit yoga 
Tiger Lady, if you put her arms on backwards, is a Silent Hill monster. <laughs> but uh, but no, I just love. I think uh, given the choice of like um, any of being able to, I, I don't even know how amiibos work. I'm so head in analog board gaming. If I have the Wii Fit amiibo, can mm. I can I forcibly insert her into any game? That- <laughs> no, it's only games that accept her, which is currently Smash Brothers. Oh, um, but you put her in, and then she's an autonomous AI that levels up as you play with her. So or him, if you choose it to be him. So there's so there's this aspect of like you have a toy. That is learning and growing that, yeah, that's inside clever. itself. Sure. Inside, um, you mean an RFID inside it is slowly is, increasing yeah, a variable? Well, exactly, of course. But then it, it but gets it, the codes it, for the nukes. But <laughs> exactly. If an amiibo ended this, <laughs> ended Fuck, this universe. That would be the best. I'd be so up for that. <laughs> you got, have you got any amiibos? Uh, I haven't, no. And I'm target market for that shit. <laughs> like, I, like, XONM. Yeah, I just think, like, I don't have the money. It's just too much. Because if I buy one, I'll want to have one that that one can play with, and then I'd want two more to play, and then they play, they play I've ordered one. They, well, you can you can have entire games where it's just amiibos fighting, <laughs> which I would want to see so much. Because you'd be well, like, that would be like salty bet. You could then bring your amiibo to exactly. House and bet it on is it. salty. They've harnessed salty bet as a toy line. It's disgusting. Well, this is actually <laughs> this is a growing thing, isn't it? Of like, I guess now more of these games that play themselves, like mm. Dreeps. I was just talking about Dreeps is RPG salty bet. Oh my god! Well, yeah, no, I'm turning it on. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing though of just being able to enjoy games more passively yeah. and like take everything that we enjoy about games and say, hey, you know what? You can just watch it do itself. That's the weird thing. I'll never watch another person streaming a game. I will watch a game playing itself. I'll sure. watch Salty Bet for hours. Oh. I'll never watch a person doing well at a fighting game. Because yeah. fuck that person. They're more talented than I am. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll tell you what, though. The um, the Games Done Quick charity thing last week. I didn't see that. If you want If you want to watch one of the mad things, if you watch Tetris Done mm. Quick, because they play this weird arcane, like Saturn fucking <laughs> arcade version of Tetris. And uh, he's playing so fast that... Imagine someone playing Tetris so fast that the program itself can't keep up. So you can't actually see the bricks. So you're keeping the entire game of Tetris in your mind while beating the arcade machine at top speed, at um, like Jesus unparalleled Christ. speed. Christ. That's, I don't, yeah. And you can watch a man doing it, and it's got the thing that you need in speedruns, which is a room full of other people being excited to inform you you should be excited at this yeah. point. Like, people just screaming during the uh, stream, which is... <laughs> Those people were screaming in fear. They probably... <laughs> and just uh, abject terror run, what human was doing. Run! He's evolving! He's an amiibo! <laughs> I am basically... Yeah, basically what's going to happen is... I'm going to get one Amiibo. I've ordered it ages ago. I ordered it before Christmas. I've ordered the little, the little uh, like cartoon link, the little link from Wind Waker. Oh, fair play. Which really, I thought that series, Wind Waker wasn't even my favourite. I don't know. I just think it looked cute. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to have an Amiibo collection because I'm a fully grown man and I'm just sort of, <laughs> somehow a part of my brain is not cool with that. But I thought, a nice little mini link on my desk. I thought that'd be nice. Be right. Because uh, I bought my, my brother a little mini link soft toy years ago. Somehow, for some reason, mini link Reminds me of my brother, so I thought I'd have. I like Wind Waker. Yeah, well, I liked it as well. I just didn't like it as much as everyone else. Everyone else was just like, "This is so good." And I was like, "All right." Oh, I thought there were a lot of haters. Uh, probably. Anyway, um, next question. Um, this is an easy one. Everyone can just plug their shit. Fantastic. Um, what about podcasts that the Daft Soul population should listen to? Video chat very good. Wrong? I'm on Chat very good. Please listen to Chat very good. <laughs> What's <laughs> Chat very good about, Jack? It's about just four people discussing sort of geekery and 
for some reason, every week, shit. And the process of not shitting yourself. Oh, wow. Which has become a really big theme for us. Oh, oh and I play Melodica a lot. Oh, man. So that's it. Oh, I like those. Well, I like it's two also, of those three things. It's also like three hours long every week, which is just a waste of three time. Three hours? Yeah, we don't have lives. Um, <laughs> wow. But yeah. No, it's all right. Well, that's something that's I can a, put on while playing Destiny. That's a thing. Destiny is just a podcast player for me now. Yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. That's fair. I've been starting doing that. Um, obviously, um, I will actually give a plug for something I've been listening to recently, which is fantastic. And I gave a shout out to them on Twitter the other day. The BitSocket podcast. It's amazing. It Jimmy Shandon, his video game band, in the last episode. I haven't got that of, far. Oh my God. It's so up. funny. I'll be honest, I'd heard so much about Is It Canon, which is yeah. basically a quiz in which uh, they focus on a game and ask something specifically. Like They, they say something about... Their rule is that if something has been written or used in any form of like comic or TV Ma- show, like instruction anything, manuals, then it's it's canon, and it's basically just oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's so funny just because some of the stuff they dig up, and it's basically I mean for those of you not familiar, Bitsocket is a couple of Scottish dudes, um, both lovely, and when they record the podcast, they're guys who've grown up with each other, they've known each other the whole life, and it's just infectiously fun because mm. they're clearly having so much fun recording it. It's very different to Darth Souls. They're not really like. Talking about games in, in huge detail, they're just doing stuff around games. It's very, very funny. I'd highly recommend they it. They did a Christmas special on Shenmue where it started playing the Shenmue music and then faded into Bitsocket Joe singing his version of it. <laughs> it, was, it was perfect, but it was so much sadder that it was a person. Um, it's incredible. Like, yeah, that is a that is one of it's the a very, best it's, podcasts. I think it's probably the best gaming podcast out there right now, especially in terms of funny stuff. It's not mm. you know it doesn't cover like they're, they're very into Japanese games, they're very into specific types of games. But that's it. But like, that's fine. It's it's very it's very heartfelt. It's very funny. I'd highly recommend it. Man, I'm gonna add it to my rotation. Sure. Mm. And obviously, you should listen to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast when it's there. Which is, yeah, infrequently because we're making cool videos all the time. Yeah, I was pretty busy <laughs> doing cool videos, but hopefully I'll be a bit more regular. No, we actually, we're planning to step up the podcast. Uh, yes. So people should maybe listen to the last one because we've been doing them for years and they weren't very good at the beginning and the audio quality was pretty bad. But now, we're gonna, <laughs> the next one, we're going to have a jingle. We're going to have regular features. We're going to have like yeah. a... Uh, all kinds of cool things. It's got a really cool. F- That's going to sound boring. It's great. Listen to it. <laughs> it's great. And also regular features, which is basically just. It sounds similar to chat very good. In fact, it's basically just fucking nonsense. Um, Yours is more sort of well, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get there. You'll get that show. Um, next up, um, somebody says. Do you think this is Jake in Derryberry? Last question was from Jason Hall, by the way. A little shout out for you, Jason. How you doing, Jason? How you doing, my How you dreeps? doing, Jason? How you doing, my dreeps, Stay boy? safe. It's a dangerous city out there. Do be careful. Um, Play says, dreeps. <laughs> also, do you think 3D platformers will ever get a try again? I find this interesting. because Wait, what? Where have they gone? Well, no, 3D platformers, right? We've seen lots of genres that have come in and out of style and they've come back. There's a lot of, like, at the moment, there was that whole Kickstarter trend of being like, bring back little 2D, strategy little... games. Oh, 3D yeah. platformers, you know, like Banjo Kazooie, the um, mm. Mario 64. They were huge for like a few oh, years. Oh, you mean like Jack and Daxter and uh, yeah. Ratchet and Clank? Thing is, I used to really love them as well. Ratchet and, and Clank gone. Was, was fantastic. Jack and Daxter 3, the one where it suddenly turned really grim and was sort of this weird, like. Dystopian, yeah. Dystopian GTA <laughs> yeah. world, I really loved. And I think it was probably crap looking back it on it. It probably was, yeah. I loved it because there were big, like, sort of. Like 
I don't know, like pod race bikes from Star Wars The Phantom Menace, but with police sirens on them. That was great. Have we really not had anything, like, recently? I would still recommend Gravity Rush on the Vita if you... I never got on with that, but I didn't try it that long. Should I keep going? I don't know. Is it something that blossoms? It gave me fabulous vertigo. I love the world. The music was astonishing. Yeah, the music was great. Play that with headphones and you're lying on your back and you're tilting the Vita. Did you play it with the actual tilt controls? Uh, No, I was on a train. Okay, right. Now, see, I played it. I think in a friend's, I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor, and they're like, have you played on the Vita? No. Have you played Gravity Rush? No. And then, like, fast forward half an hour, I'm literally lying on the floor, rolling around, feeling <laughs> ill with vertigo, and going, it's so beautiful. And it, that was a top game experience of 2012, for me, or 13, or whatever it was. Everything you've said today on the podcast has made it sound like you're on drugs. I, I'm, I'm so high right now. <laughs> uh, Kenneth Sharp asks, is it worth starting Destiny now? Will it be worth starting in six months to a year's time? I'd probably say the latter. I mean, if you've got lots of friends who are playing it and they're still playing it, still loving it, then by all means, Destiny's a fun game to... It doesn't take that long to catch up anymore. No, all signs point to the fact that like every time they add new content, it becomes faster to get to that yeah. new content. Mm-hmm. In fact, like... If you're playing it now, there's not that much need to chase the new armor sets and stuff. No. No, I mean, it doesn't take long to catch up. I mean... It's not like World of Warcraft. No, it's not like World of Warcraft where it's just like, hey, you're never going to catch up with your friends. That's something I liked about it originally, (laughs) is it's the way that it it makes it so... forever. Yeah, even when people are like three or four levels ahead of you, like, you can still play with them in meaningful ways a lot of the time. It's quite nicely done. But at the same time, I kind of feel like... um, the current expansion is okay. The next one, hopefully, will be more of the same. I mean, I'm an addict. I don't care. But I am kind of would say if you're not really into it now, it might just be worth waiting for the, the next big, the next thing that is actually properly an expansion. I mean, but why wait for that? Like, if you're going to buy it, you might as well Well, just because if you're going to wait for it, I think the thing is, they'll probably... Oh, do you reckon they'll sell Destiny 2 as full price again? Yeah. I mean, that's the way they're doing it. But it's basically, it's a subscription. It's basically a subscription model. And you, you end up paying six quid a month. That's just what it is. We should clarify that we the popular consensus is that Destiny 2 will basically be an expansion for Destiny, but probably sell as a retail box again. I think that's probably what they're going to do, mm. because they're, they're, they're trying to go for a different market, and that's why they haven't... That's why they've been so shit with their marketing and really explained everything badly, is because it's like, it is basically an MMO. You're basically paying a subscription... But they don't want to say that because they don't want to freak out people because if you tell somebody who just likes shooting aliens that they're playing an MMO, they'll go, fuck off. <laughs> um, the people at home, Matt recoiled in his chair. Yeah, I was, I was being a comic, like, oh, we fucking, no, I'm not. Yeah, but Get also out. really scared. Yeah, they're kind of fearful of it. It has a lot of stigma. I mean, that's not true. The thing is, like, I, don't, I don't agree with that, but it's, it's something that has a lot of heavy connotations and a lot of people who just like playing shooter games and FIFA and stuff Destiny not is down like, with that it's funny actually thinking about it because World of Warcraft had that thing of like it just happened to be with expert marketing for like eight years from Blizzard that people who'd never played an MMO could come and play it and Bungie kind of trying to sidestep those eight years by just not ever saying it's an MMO <laughs> yeah like it's not it's just a shooter shoot your friends yeah. do you like shooting things in and it's caused them all sorts of grief because it means they've like talked about their they're basically updates as expansions, which they're fucking not. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's basically just a case of like, what it comes down to is not like, do you want to buy this exciting new content for Destiny, which is how it's sort of pitched on a marketing level. What it basically is, is do you still like playing this? Do you still play it a lot every month? Then keep giving us six quid a month. And if it's not worth six quid a month, then stop. And I'm down with that because actually I really enjoy playing it and I'm fine paying that. But a lot of people wouldn't be but I'd say at the moment is if you want to get into it now or just for the next expansion you're looking at quite a hefty amount of money up front in order to be getting all the stuff and get catching up and doing everything whereas what I think is when it comes to like 
maybe, you know, end of this year when they're maybe either releasing, well, it won't be this year, but I, there'll be a pack. They'll do it. They'll do a retail thing where it'll be like, hey, Christmas 2015, here's the Destiny 1.5 pack where it's like you get all of the DLC so far and the game. That's when you want to jump in. Wait until they do a thing where you get all the stuff from before free and start playing because at the moment, for me, it's been fine, but if you just wanted to jump in now, you've got another expansion coming in at the start of March or whatever. If you want to play it, no one's going to want to Actually, drop like yeah, 80 God, if quid you join off the... in, Yeah, if you come in now, you'll spend 80 quid by the end of yeah, March. Yeah, it's, it's like that's bad. like no one's want to, no one wants to do no that. No one wants to do that. So I'd say if you're not in now, unless you've got friends who are still loving it and still properly into it, by which case you're probably already playing it yourself. I don't know. Or do what I do and just literally only play Crucible because it makes practically no difference. Oh, no, it doesn't. It's great. Like, Crucible's the best. Crucible is brilliant. That's, That's the thing, is actually, to be fair, that even just the base game, it's a lot of fun. And yeah. Crucible is awesome. It's amazing. Crucible which is multiplayer. It's, it's yeah, Crucible's a multiplayer, but it's just somehow it's got that... It's just... I don't know. I'm, I, I like it because I'm really good at it and I don't know why. Because like I'm not <laughs> good at online shooters, but I'm really good at the Crucible. I played the Halo 5 beta... Not extensively, but for a, a little while over Christmas, and basically came away going, "No, three four three have no idea what they're doing." <laughs> like I've played Crucible for hours this year, and this feels like shit. Funny so I always wondered what happened with Titanfall, whereby all of my journalist colleagues like went, "Oh, it's great! I'm loving playing Titanfall with mm. my friends." Stop straight away. <laughs> they just it is stopped. It is like Titanfall is amazing, but there is that sense that there's. There's not much to do beyond that base game. I think it was the problem. So right. I played it for two weeks and was like, fuck! And then finished. <laughs> and just went, oh yeah, see you later. <laughs> That's it. Like, robots are done. Um, Whereas yeah, Destiny I've has done a robots. numbers going up. Whereas Destiny makes you feel like sort of bad and not good enough for a lot of the time. Like it does that thing where it's sort of going... Crucible doesn't matter, but you know you've got loads of. The shit thing I to find do, about the Crucible so. that's so mad is I, I get into it and I end up playing it loads for like weeks, just playing it shitloads, mm. and just doing the same maps over and over again and just having a great time. And then I stop, and then it'll be like, oh, there's an event, or like I've got I have a bounty or something that I need to do, and it's like, oh, you yeah. need to get 15 headshots to finish off this bounty for this gun. And I go, all right, I'll play a bit of Crucible then. And then like just having that like, like all just a little nudge, just being like, why don't you just play Crucible for 20 minutes? Mm. And I just suddenly go. I love this. There's a yeah. lot of this. Like developers now are realizing that people often won't play multiplayer unless they're given a push. It's why yep. just about any mobile game with a multiplayer component will be like, "Oh, here's a huge reward for playing multiplayer once, and then you play it forever." But I think you were saying that one of the big changes for the next expansion, House of Wolves, is they're adding a Crucible mode, which is two v two. Yes, and I'm well hot for that because Halo Three. I used to play with a guy called James Brady, I think, who I didn't even know. He was a friend of Sean Bell. <laughs> he was like a friend of a friend. But I met him like once, twice in real life, and we just spent like a whole summer just me and him, just two player, two v two, Halo Three. Just mm. totally we just got platonic. You know, really good at it. Sometimes like, it was just really hot. You know, you'd, you'd take <laughs> yeah, your shirts off, but that was because it was hot. You know, it wasn't. There was nothing there. I miss him. Couple of sparks with only helmets on. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but helmet here. Oh boy. And um, finally, oh, this is kind of an easy question, really. Will Bloodborne ever be as good as Dark Souls was, being that it will not come as a surprise? I don't know. I mean, I don't really Dark know. Dark Souls wasn't a surprise if you played Demon Souls yeah, like a thing. true player. <laughs> that's the thing. You're just not a true gamer, Mr. Luke also, Summerhays. Oh, I love Luke Summerhays. No, I'm joking. He's, he's a nice man. It's a good he question. He lives where Hot Fuzz was filmed. Oh. Not that I want to give away too much about his life <laughs> and that he's listened to other let's podcasts fucking, I've been Come in. on, let's dox the shit out of him. Come on, <laughs> bomb his house. He's probably above the pub. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I've purposely not been looking at anything of Bloodborne because I, I, I felt that Dark Souls 2 was kind of shit because it was maybe being worked on by the B team. I think it looks like Bloodborne is a better team. Hmm. I'm purposely not looking at anything to do with it because I'm just looking forward to just 
like jumping into it completely fresh. I don't know anything about it. I think I've seen a screenshot and I just made a decision. It's like every now and then I choose a game and I go, you know what? I'm just not going to look at anything to do with that. I'm going to know nothing about it, which is really irritating for people listening to this podcast because I get so many questions every week saying, what do you think of Bloodborne? I'm like, I don't fucking know much about it. Like a sword. Apparently it's got guns in it. That's all I know. Um, Happy days. And that brings us neatly to the end of uh, the Delft Souls podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I'm going to get a little cheeky plug now because why not? Um, then do subscribe and uh, do a little review on iTunes for us if you want, actually, because you know get us on the up the up the rankings. You know what? Give us five stars and then just talk about anything you want. Talk about dreeps. Yeah, that's what you do. You write you you put five stars and then you use five words to describe dreeps. That's oh and hey, nice. oh and hey, if you if you're if you happen to be Rufus Hound, uh, why not tweet about it? <laughs> uh, just, it's just if you are, because I, I yeah. What a, what a strangely specific. <laughs> I was chatting to him on Twitter and apparently listened to last week's episode, so maybe he listens. So I thought he's got like a million followers on Twitter. So I'm thinking, yeah, going to be like, you know, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, just... got any jobs? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not Rufus, Rufus, Hound, do you have any money? Because, uh, <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing. Remote, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> remote bank. This is the new thing. You're embarrassing me in front of Rufus Hound. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, wait, that's Kickstarter. Never mind. Right, anyway. Um, yeah, if you're not, then that's fine. Don't worry about it. Most of us aren't. Um, you can just do a review like everyone else. Um, and now I will allow you can get your dreeps out now. Get your dreeps. Yes. Right. And oh, start right here we go. Here we go. Start. Yeah, start. I'm ready start. for adventure. You have, you have to name your dreeps. He's gonna be this is going to take too long. He's We're going to have a dreeps <laughs> adventure. Good night. Good night. And thank you for listening. Bye, Bye. dreeps. <laughs>